Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to look some more at the spirit of faith. And uh, we're not, uh, I don't plan to be before you too long, but long enough to get this to you, if you got a few minutes. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Ah, hallelujah. I wonder if we could turn that down just a notch. Hallelujah. That, that, yeah, there you go. Well, nobody touched it, but it kicked on. Praise God. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> Ooh, glory. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 4, the spirit of faith, and verse 13. Notice that the apostle Paul is quoting David. And he says, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. I believed and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore we speak. The same spirit of faith. Now, We made the statement, I believe it was last Sunday night, the subject of faith can be taught, but the spirit of faith has to be caught, and you've got to catch it from a carrier, all right? There are people that can teach uh, very, um, they can teach very adequately on the subject of faith because they teach faith as a subject, but there's the spirit of faith that has to be caught, and what the spirit of faith is, is the spirit of faith is an attitude. The spirit of faith is a mindset, all right? And uh, the the spirit of faith is what makes three Hebrew boys stand before the king that can put them in the fiery furnace and say, look, king, live forever. You know, we're not bowing. And, And here's the thing. Even if you don't throw us in, we're still not bowing. That's the spirit of faith. It's, it's an attitude. It's not arrogance. It's not cocky. It's not prideful. But it's saying, look, I'm not bowing. I'm, I'm, I'm not giving into this because I have the spirit of faith. All right? And the spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. The spirit of faith is the spirit of overcoming ability. All right? When you have the spirit of faith, you expect to overcome. You expect to win in every circumstance. Because you have the spirit of faith. And, and you, know, you know that faith is the victory. Amen. And so when you ask somebody, well, are you in faith? And they say they're in faith. What they're saying is they have victory. And so, but remember, victory has a sound. Victory has a look. Vic, victory has an atmosphere. Amen. Hallelujah. You, you don't go to somebody and say, hey, did you win the race? And they go, yeah, I won. That's not victory. Right? Hey, brother, you got the victory. Yes, bless God, I've got the victory because I'm standing on the word. And if I stand on the word, I can't fail. Yeah. See, the spirit of faith has 
a sound of victory to it. So it's, it's this attitude. It's this mindset. It's, it's, it's David. He said, we have the same spirit of faith. And when he stood before Goliath, and Goliath was saying what he was saying. Am I a dog that they would send a boy out with, with sticks and stones? And David said, well, that's what you're saying. He said, but here, here's the thing. He said, today you've defied the armies of the living God. And he said, you got a sword and a shield and a spear, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord, of the God of the armies of Israel that you've defied. And then the spirit of faith kicked in. And today, I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to cut your head off. And I'm going to take away the reproach from Israel. And then what a lot of people don't preach, then he said, and I'm coming after all y'all. That's what he said. He said, and we're going to get all of you guys. Spirit of faith. Spirit of faith. Amen. That's the spirit of faith. Well, you know the first question David asked when he heard Goliath talking? He went to somebody and said, what do you get if you kill him? That's what he asked. What, what, what's the guy get that kills him? And they told him. Amen. He asked that question twice. And then he went and did it. Faith doesn't just look. Faith acts. Faith does what faith sees. That's why the Hebrews Hall of Fame of Faith tells you and I what can be done through faith. Lion's mouth shut. Violence of sword quenched. Women having their dead raised back to life. All of that was done by faith. Amen. I submit to you that if women in the Old Testament that were not even born again, that were not full of the Spirit of God, could have their dead raised back to life by their faith, there's nothing that your faith can't accomplish. Amen. But it's the Spirit of faith. And, and that's, you see, when you're operating in the Spirit of faith, you're not trying to always work faith up. It's there. Faith has to be there. When the pressure's put on you, faith has to be there. You got to answer with faith. That's why every day is a faith day. You're getting up tomorrow and you're putting your faith on something. You're getting up the next day and you're putting your faith on something because you're exercising your faith and you're walking in the spirit of faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, let's go to Galatians 5. The spirit of faith. That's why you got to be around people that have it. Because you get an understanding. You get an idea of what it's supposed to be like. Hallelujah. How you're supposed to respond. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty where Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I, Paul, say unto you, if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. I testify again to every man that's circumcised that he's a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect to you. Whoever of you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, circumcision availeth anything, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. Notice, but faith which works by love. Faith which works by love. So faith is what we use to receive from God. And love is the giving side. So I use faith to receive, and love is the giving side. Hallelujah. Love gives, 
faith receives. That's important to understand. Hallelujah. Because love plan, plants and faith harvests. Love gives and faith receives. Love plants and faith harvests. They, 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 notice it says faith works by love. The, the, the Weiss Bible says faith comes to its fullest expression by love. I believe it's the Amplified Bible says it's activated and energized by love. All right? So in, in other words, I can, I can have faith. And when you were born again, Romans 12, 3 says you received a measure of faith, the measure of faith. Amen. But the measure of your faith grows commensurate with the level that your love walk grows. Because it requires faith to walk in love. And if you're going to adequately walk in love, you've got to consistently grow your faith. Because it requires faith to walk in love. There, there, there are people you walk in love with by faith. Amen. There, there are situations that you respond to in love by faith. Because you know, right? But what's happening as you're responding to that situation by faith? Your faith's growing. Because faith comes by hearing, goes by saying, and grows by working. Right? I hear it, and I get it. I speak it, and I send it, and I exercise it, and it grows. So every time you're walking in love by faith, faith's growing. But love's growing. And see, you're, you're at, at the same time, the giver and the receiver are growing together. And so that means that you can never ask for something too big because love will sow the seed and faith will receive the harvest. Oh, hallelujah. That's powerful. Like Andrew says, just ask me. I'm saying some amazing things. <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. He, he just cracks me up sometimes. He'll sit there and say something. He'll go, I'll tell you what. I'm saying some amazing things. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. You say, no, Andrew, really be happy. I'm happy. No, be happy. I'm happy. Amen. But one without the other is only part of what we need to operate by. All right? We'll, we'll show you this plainly. One without the other is only part of what we need to operate by. All right? Faith, is, faith, faith governs, but love governs. All right? Faith is the victory. Love is the energy in that victory. Hallelujah. So faith, the Bible says faith without works is dead. That's works of love. You, you, you read that verse, and it's talking about somebody not having what they need and somebody not having any clothes, any money, any food, and it says, how are you doing them a service when you say, hey, be blessed, be filled. In other words, brother, I'm, I'm confessing a good confession over you. All your needs met. And it says, yet you don't give him what he needs. He said, don't you know faith without works is dead because it's alone? Well, it's not just works for work's sake. It's works of love, right? It's, it's works of love. And so one without the other is only part of what we need to operate. Hallelujah. Look at 1 John 4. Just look at your neighbor and say, I perceive we're growing. 
we're growing. Amen. I, I mean spiritually. We're growing naturally too, physically in, in the, the building, but we're growing spiritually. We're growing spiritually. You know, solid growth takes time, and you can't rush it. Amen. I told the Lord years ago, I said, I'm less concerned about a big church as I am big people. I, I want people, I want, I got, I got to say this correctly, I, I want people that are grounded. I want goofy people. Right? Hallelujah. You want people that are grounded. Right? People, people that are spiritual people. And spiritual maturity takes time. It, it just takes time. And the highest evidence of spiritual maturity is your love walk. That's the highest evidence. It's not what you drive, where you live, what you wear, how much you have. Right? It's, it's your love walk. The person that can walk consistently in love has achieved a level of spiritual maturity. Oh, hallelujah. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. You are of God, little children. Now, we're of God. And have overcome them because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He that knows God hears us. He that's not of God does not hear us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. Everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not does not know God. Why? Because God is love. In this was manifest the love of God toward us. Because God sent His only begotten Son in the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we love, but God, but that uh, loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Oh, hallelujah. So notice the nature of God is love. I should say this, the nature of God is agape. The nature of God is that love that, that, that is far beyond human comprehension. Amen. The nature of God is love. We're born of God. So our nature should be love. Oh, hallelujah. Notice, he that does not love does not know God. Now, notice this. He didn't say they weren't born of God. He said they didn't know God. Hallelujah. When John said, loveth not, he does not bring love from a feeling standpoint. He brings it from an action standpoint. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action. I've heard people say it's a fruit of the Spirit. It is, but it's an action. Love is put in action, not a feeling. Now, that's important. Because love has feelings, but it's not a feeling. Has feelings, but it's not a feeling. Amen. I mean, if, if you're married in here, and I ask you, when you got up today, did you feel married? Well, how's it feel? How's it feel to be married? Don't answer that, maybe, but... <laughs> for most, for, for good Christian people, it's a good feeling. But, but here's the point. I mean, how do, you feel, how do you feel to be married? 
That's like asking someone, how does it feel to be a woman? Well, what do you mean? I mean, I don't understand the question. Right? Because this is what I am 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right? So love is not a feeling. I I might get up in the morning and not feel that light, airy feeling, but I'm still of love. I'm still of God. I'm still of love. I'm still supposed to operate in the love of God. Whether I have that feeling or not. Amen. Hallelujah. I I had a guy one time that that I had to deal with, and and thankfully I haven't had to deal with a lot of, of I mean over a 25-year period of time, I've dealt with enough to know how to deal with it, but over a 25-year period of time, a lot less than some ministers. But, But I had to ask this guy, uh, to leave the church. I had to ask him to leave. And, and I, I, I was nice about it, but he, he just wouldn't listen to me. He was causing problems. He was doing things that were wrong. And, and I had talked to him and talked to him and talked to him and talked to him. And finally, uh, one day he pulled up at the church and I saw him getting out and I went out in the parking lot and just put my leg up against his door and said, you don't even need to get out because I've talked to you about this and you just need to, to head on down the road. Well, where am I going to go? I don't know, but you can't come here. All right? It just got to that point. And uh, so I was back in the church, and my phone rang, and it was him. And he said, I didn't mean to offend you. I said, brother, I'm unoffendable. You didn't offend me. It's, it's not that I don't love you, but I got sheep to take care of. I got, I got families to take care of. I got new converts that you weren't concerned about. You understand? And so, so you understand? Here, here, here's the thing. Love is not a feeling. In, in other words, you can correct, with, and, and you're not going to have that light, airy feeling, but you're still operating in love. Right? When you've got to take a child into the room to correct their attitude, that's love. Amen. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you always, you, you always got to spank or whatever. I mean, that, that's, that's your business. But here's the point. Here's the point. It's love. I'm of God ever how I feel. See, the enemy wants to get you over in the realm of feeling. Because if he gets you over in the realm of feeling, he does two things. He eliminates your faith walk and he eliminates your love walk. If he gets you over in the realm of feeling, you're going to drop the shield of faith. If he gets you over into being moved by your feelings, you're going to drop love. Because eventually you're going to tell somebody how you feel. Give them a piece of your mind or something. And you're going to drop the love walk. And when you drop the love walk, you have unplugged the battery from your faith. And now your faith's there, but it's dead. Oh, hallelujah. Do do you see that? So it's from an action standpoint. So love is not so much a feeling as much as it is a behavior. A behavior. There there was a couple one time in the church, and uh, uh, they're no longer a couple, but there, there was a couple one time in the church, and they came and left the church seven times. And made a mess every time they came. 
And every time they left, amen. This, this lady was in Carrie's department. And, and, and one day we had to have a meeting because she was just wreaking havoc. And uh, I, was, I was talking to him about the situation. And I'll never forget, right in the middle, right in the middle of what we're doing, she got mad and just got up and left. And I said, hey, you can't leave. And she just stormed off down the hallway. Came and left seven times. And I, I had people ask me. They said, how can you just let them come back? I said, because they might get it this time. This might be the time they get it. Amen. Well, they got a divorce. And a few Sundays ago, I looked up and here he come. Back. You say, what'd you do? Hugged him, loved him. Hey, good to see you. He might get it this time. Well, what if he don't? That's on him. My job's love him. You understand? My job is to love them. That's, it's the behavior of love. Listen, if you've raised children, you understand that there's times that children do things that can be disappointing. And right? Love is behavior. You still behave yourself like you love your child, whether you feel that way or not. Oh, hallelujah. Is that right? The thing that causes us to know God is love. He said, if you know love, you know God. Notice he didn't say if you know faith. He said, if you know love. The one that loves knows God. That's why I said that the mark of spiritual maturity is the love walk, not the faith walk. Although faith is imperative. You can't please God without faith. But your faith won't work without love. So, so which is the stronger of the two? The faith or the love? Well, love, faith is love dependent. Faith is dependent on love to operate. Am I helping you? Glory. It, it, the it takes love to know God and faith to please God. So here's the thing. That means you can please God without knowing Him, and you can know God without pleasing Him. Right? I should say that again. You, 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 you can please God without knowing Him, and you can know God without pleasing Him. Hallelujah. But notice it takes love to know him and faith to please him. And you know, very often we talk about, you know, when we're walking in love, that love is not easily offended and these different things. And that's absolutely the truth. But here's the thing. Love does not also easily offend. It's not only not easily offended, it doesn't easily offend. In other words, love looks at how it sounds to people. Does that make sense? Love doesn't try to offend anybody. The Apostle Paul, remember what he said? He said, I exercise myself to have a conscience void of offense to all men. Hallelujah. And so not only does love not become offended easily, it doesn't offend other people easily. 
I've had people say things, and, and, and this may be elementary, but I've had people say things, and when they would say it, I would think, I wonder if they know what they're saying. And they'd say things, well, I don't care what he thinks. That's not love. You know, I learned a long time ago as a pastor, I have to care what you think because i got to help you. You understand? Amen. I, listen, I, I lost all concern about what people think about me as far as my, um, how do I want to say this, as far as my uh, uh, fortitude or whatever. I remember hearing Brother Hagin years ago say this, and it just imprinted my spirit because he said, you know, he said, I wouldn't defend myself. People would talk about me, and I wouldn't defend myself. And he said, I found out later that other pastors in the community said, there's something wrong with that guy. He don't have a backbone. Something's wrong with him. He won't even defend himself. He, he, won't, say, he won't say people are wrong when they're lying on him. What's well, called love. It's called walking in love. Well, I mean, what, how's it going to help if somebody lies on me and I take out a newspaper ad or get on TV and try to prove them wrong? It's a lie. You can't defend yourself against a lie. Amen. I, I don't have anything to prove to anybody. I'm going to walk in love because that's the victory. Remember what Jesus said? He said uh, concerning, and I won't take the time to, to go over it all, but the two servants and the one owed him somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, $12 million. And he came and he said, uh, you owe me this money. He said, you need to pay all of it. I'm going to put you in prison. And the man fell on his knees, said, Lord, be patient with me and I'll pay you all of it. And it says, frankly, he forgave the man the debt. Twelve million, gone. Amen. Right? Says he went out and found the guy that owed him $20. And the Greek says he grabbed him by the throat and commenced to choking him. Shaking him. Hallelujah. Oh, Guido. <laughs> Pay me what you owe me. The, the exact same words. Fell on his knees, said, be patient with me. I'll pay you all of it. No, put him in prison. They went and told the master what had happened. And remember what he did? He came and he said, hey, you wicked servant. He said, I forgave you that whole debt. I didn't ask you. I just frankly forgave the whole thing. And he said, then you went and found this guy that owes you $20 and wouldn't forgive him. And he looked at the, the people and he said, put him in prison till he pays it all. He's not coming out till he does. Now, what did Jesus say after that? He said, that's how your heavenly father will do if you don't forgive your brother from the heart. That's, those words are in red. What does that mean? There are things you can't expect God to do for you if you won't walk in love. Do you understand that? I've heard people say, well, i got to keep my faith strong. I need all my prayers answered. You need to keep your love strong because you need all your prayers answered. Hallelujah. Glory. That this is so important. I say this is so important. Amen. And, 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 and so that, that walking in love, when you want an atmosphere of love, you want an atmosphere of love. 
atmosphere of faith, you got to have an atmosphere of love. Where people are bearing one another's burdens. Helping people out. Amen. Maybe speaking a word of correction when it needs to be done. But walking in love. Helping people pick people up. Helping them out. Doing what needs to be done. Coming alongside. Coming to their aid. Why? Because it's that atmosphere of love. And, and when you've got people walking in love, you're going to have a strong church of faith. Because faith, uh, love is energizing their faith. Glory. It takes a combination of faith and love. That's why Paul said faith works by love. And so we understand then that faith without love then is not complete. Faith without love is not complete. Oh, hallelujah. And so what happens is that a lot of people try to operate in the subject of faith, and without the love, they lack the spirit of faith. They lack the lifestyle of faith. Because love is the lifestyle of faith. Mm, Hallelujah. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Hallelujah. You shout at me sometimes. Let me know you're there. (laughs) I know you're there. I know you're thinking. I see you writing. That's okay. Hallelujah. You know, I learned years ago in the Bible, the Bible says pastors are apt to teach. Amen. And so, so I, I learned a long time ago that, you know, I'm naturally bent to just get up and fire hose you. That's just my natural bent, right? But I learned a long time ago that you, a pastor has to teach. You've, you've got to teach. And Amen. You want, you want, I had a lady come to our church one time and she said, I'm amazed at this atmosphere. I said, what do you mean? She said, everybody's got a notebook. Everybody's got a pen. Everybody's got a paper. Everybody's taking notes. She said, this is the most learning environment I've been in. Well, that's, that's wonderful. And you know what I've, you know what I've come to find out? The people in our, in, in our ministry that I've watched over the years that are the most stable and the most solid are people that just come and they just hear the Word of God and they take notes and they go back home and they put into operation what they've written down on that page. Amen. And, and, and here's the thing. You might not ever see them run. You might or you might not. You might not ever see them dance and jump and shout. But boy, they sure can walk in love. Amen. See, you always want to be careful with that. I want to shout and run and jump. I do it all. I've done it all at once sometimes. But, but here's the thing. What's more important is that I'm walking in love. There's nothing more frustrating than, than a person that will just buck and run and jump and shout, flip, roll in the aisles. Amen. And then can't walk in love. Because what's all the running, jumping, skipping, rolling? And then you go out and and the mature things you can't do. Oh, hallelujah. That's the most important thing. I say that's the most important thing. For, For a minister, that's the most important thing. 
you got to love people to just get in front of them and preach the same thing over and over again. Amen. Time after time after time after time. Because you're not going to preach for 25 years and not preach the same thing at least a couple times. Amen. I had a guy come to me one time, and uh, he, he made the statement, I was preaching on uh, the integrity of God. And uh, I had been preaching on it like seven or eight weeks. And uh, finally, I, I had got off that subject and was on something else. And uh, a guy came up to me after church, and he said, boy, I'm glad you didn't preach on that other subject. I said, really? He goes, yeah, I couldn't have stood one more week of that. And I didn't say it, but I thought that's because what you needed. You didn't want to hear one more thing about what you needed to hear. But, but anyway, I, I contrast that with another guy. I'd been preaching for 22 weeks on faith. When we first started the church in Kansas, I, I, I took 22 weeks and just taught on faith and taught for 22 straight weeks from Mark 11, 23, 22 weeks. And uh, I had a guy, that, Glenn Singleton, he was my head usher, and he sat in the back by the, by the back door. And one Sunday morning, I was talking about you'll have what you say. And it was like I could see it, and I didn't know what it was. I could see it on him. It's like the light came on. You ever been watching somebody? It's like the lights come on, right? And he came up to me after church, and he said, Pastor, I got it. I said, what'd you get? He said, I'll have what I say. He had only heard that for 22 weeks. But he got it. What, what if I'd have stopped at the 21st week? Or the 20th week? He wouldn't have got it. Amen. And he encountered situations that he needed to get it. I've learned when you come to church and you hear the same thing over and over again, you may think, well, I got it. But somebody doesn't. Because the Holy Spirit is having us say that again. And you got to love your brother or your sister enough to say, okay, somebody needs this, so I'm going to write it down again, and I'm going to praise God over it again. I'm going to tell pastor, come on in again, because, right? Because somebody needs to hear it. Amen. From time to time, I'll have some, some of the associates minister, and, and every now and then, I'll have one of the associates say, well, Pastor, you know what I have? Isn't any new revelation? Good. Good. That's good. It's not something new we need. It's something that we can take and put to work right now. Amen. I'm helping you. I'm helping me. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians 13. We're, we're going we're gonna to hurry here a little bit. <laughs> he said, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, have not charity. I'm become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal or a noisy gong. Or basically, I'm annoying. That's what that means. You know, I mean, uh, of course, we've got computerized drums now. But when I learned to play the drums, we had brass cymbals. And uh, uh, I, I guess I could be old school and say they're better, you know, but I won't say that. Anyway, but here's the point. And I don't know, you've been a musician a long time. You ever had anybody that just clanged the cymbal? And you know what that is? Annoying. 
they sound really good when they're in the context of the rhythm. But just to stand up there, bang, 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 bang. Right? If that's going on in the house, sometime, somewhere you're going to hear mom say, give me that, boy. You are plucking my last nerve. Amen. Hallelujah. But you understand? So he says, it's basically annoying. Though I have the gift of prophecy, I understand all mysteries, all knowledge, all faith. I could remove mountains and have not charity. I'm nothing. That means if I'm operating in the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of prophecy, the gift of the word of wisdom, the gift of the word of knowledge, the gift of special faith. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, give my body to be burned, do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long, love is kind, love envies not, love vaunts not itself, love is not puffed up. Love does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not our own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Whether there be prophecies, they'll fail. Tongues, they'll cease. Knowledge, it will vanish away. So notice something. You can have mountain-moving faith, and without love, it won't profit you. In other words, it's there, but there's no energy. There's, there's no way to energize it. There's no way to make it work. Amen. And that's why people have taught over the years that if you're having trouble with your faith, check your love walk. Because it's, faith, it's love that energizes your faith. Hallelujah. Because you see, you build faith and love separately. Faith comes by hearing. Hallelujah. Love, you increase in love by your actions, by your, your walk with people. But here's the point. You, you can build your faith and, 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 oper- and have great faith, but then if you're not walking in love, you don't have any energy to operate it by. You can have the nicest brand new car sitting out in the, in the, in the parking lot with the best of everything, and if you don't have any fuel, you're going nowhere. If you don't have a battery, you're going nowhere because there's nothing to energize that engine. The engine's where the power's at, but there's nothing to energize it. Faith is where the power's at. I've got to have something to energize it. Got to have something to set it off. Glory. So again, we see here what? That love is a behavior. Love is a behavior. A person with the spirit of faith will have a nature and a behavior of love. And I'm not going to take the time to, to go through these things in, in 1 Corinthians 13. You can do that on your own. But suffice it to say, a person with the spirit of faith will have a nature and a behavior of love. I, I've, I've been with people before, Christians, at a restaurant before. that just Boy, they embar- I just wanted to crawl under the table. Here we are. We're Christians, and you're acting that way? Dear Lord, they didn't give me, they messed up my meal. Yeah? And what's your response? I can imagine what you'd do if they slapped you. It'd be on. You'd be reaching in your waistband. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. Messed up your meal. Your chicken was cold. Dear Lord. This is important because it's a behavior of love. I mean, you can tell them your meal's cold, right? But you don't have to call them over and say, hey, hey, I'm paying for this, and this is cold. I, I expect better than this. You expect? You're supposed to expect nothing and be thankful for everything. That'll help you. Let me come right over here. You expect nothing, and you're thankful for everything. If, if, if you expect nothing, what happens if you get nothing? Nothing. Because you weren't expecting nothing. Right? Amen. Even, even with, with my, my, my baby girl here, I, I'm learning. I learn. My, with my kids, I've always tried to be this way. They'll say, hey, you know, this would be nice. Can we do this? And I've heard parents go, yeah, I don't see why not. And they have no intention of doing it. And what happens to the child? What do they begin to do? Expect. And then what happens if it don't happen? The child's let down. Well, well, what do you do? Well, I don't know. Let's look at it. Let's pray about it. Let's believe God. You want that? Let's, let's, let's print a picture out. Let's begin to confess the word over it. That's what we do. Lily and I, the other day before we went to school, we got in front of our refrigerator and said, come on, Lily, let's lay hands on our pictures. And we laid hands on our pictures and claimed them. Father, I thank you for this, and I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Because if you're not, if you're not expect, faith works on expectation. But here's the thing. If, when you're walking in love, when, if you want to walk in love in your marriage, you don't expect anything out of the other person. You put the responsibility on you to do your job. Right? I'm going to love my wife like Christ loves the church regardless of how she acts. Did you hear that, Patricia? Not one amen. Not one. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's important. I'm going to submit to my husband regardless of what he does. Right? I could should say that again, not one amen. <laughs> but, but what is that? That's the behavior of love. I said that's the behavior of love. I'm, I'm part of a group, uh, on, on a, a, a men's group, and uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, they ha we have an app, and, and sometimes I just got to close it and not mess with it. Because I hear so many got my wife this and my wife that. And I, and I made a comment one time. And I said, here's the thing. I said, your, your, your relationship with your family only grows to the extent your relationship with God grows. And if you want to have a stronger relationship with your family, you got to make your relationship with God strong. Because God is love. Nobody loves my wife more than God. So that means nobody can show me how to love her better than God. Nobody. Amen. And, and, and love doesn't point the finger. I don't know why. Am I helping you? A love doesn't point the finger. Well, if she would do this, love doesn't do that. Right? That, you can read this, and I won't take the time to teach on it, but it says love thinks the best of every person. Amen. 
Like I heard one minister say, he said, if somebody come up and slap you, you say, you tripped. You didn't mean to hit me. You, you tripped and your hand just hit me. Love thinks the best of every person. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. You know, sometimes neighbors are work that on you. Right? I remember the, the, first, the first week we moved into our house. The first week we moved into our house, I was mowing the yard. And, uh, and uh, I was taking the bag off my mower and putting it in a yard bag. And, and I didn't really have any intention of, of leaving my, my bag, my bags where they were. It was on the, you know, the sewer, uh, you, know, the, the, you know what I'm talking about. Well, it ha- it was, it's just like, you know where it's at. It's about a foot over into my neighbor's yard. And I just put those bags there because it's at the top of the hill. Well, I was down at the bottom of the hill mowing, and I was coming back up the top of the hill. My neighbor walked across his yard, and it was during the pandemic, so he was about for me to run. Hey! Yeah, I mean, six feet's good, 24 is better. But in any event, he goes, uh, how you doing? I said, fine. We live here. I said, oh, great. And he goes, hey, I don't want your stuff on my yard. I'm thinking, okay, all right. And he's like, I mean, I don't want to be that guy. And you know what? I, I, I grabbed it. I wanted to say, but you're being that guy. Right? Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. I'm thinking, it's hot. I got to mow this yard uphill everywhere. And you worried about a bag on a sewer drain that I was probably going to move anyway. (laughs) You say, what would you do? I thought, Lord, now I got to live by this person. Forever how long I'm going to be here, I'm going to behave in love. I said, that's all right. I'll get it right now. I'm sorry. I didn't know you wanted me to move that. I'll grab it. And I went over and grabbed it. He's like, all right. Thank you. You know, it's kind of like not thank you. Like, boy, I sure appreciate it. It's like, thank you. You should have known better. Put your stuff on my property. Well, you know, I, here's what I, I, I walked away mowing the yard. I thought, I don't, he was going through something today. He was having a bad day, something, I don't know, maybe him and his wife fussed, I don't know. He was just, he was taking something out on me. Amen. You know, I'm glad I got that right, because we got a great relationship. Amen. I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm working on him. I'm going to get, if he's not saved, I'm going to get him. Amen. Now, what I'm trying to say, love is a behavior. See? A person with the spirit of faith will have a nature and behavior of love. Look, look at Acts 13, 22. I'm watching my time. Hallelujah. Acts 13, 22. And when he removed him, meaning Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom he also he gave testimony and said, I found David the son of Jesse... A man after my own heart who will fulfill my will. Now, if you look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 19, you see something else here about David. Oh, the Lord's good. 
I love him. I love Jesus. Hallelujah. 1 Samuel 19 and verse 5. Notice, talking about David, he put his life in his hands and slew the Philistine. The Lord wrought a great salvation. And uh, uh, for all Israel, you saw it and did rejoice. Wherefore then will you sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause? So Saul's wanting to slay, kill David for no reason. Verse 14, and when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he's sick. Verse, uh, let me see here. That's not where I wanted to be. Must have wrote that down wrong. Anyway, David was a man after God's own heart. And uh, he behaved himself wisely. It's what the scripture says about David. He, he went out and came in and behaved himself wisely in front of the people. A person with the spirit of faith will behave like a person of faith. And David was marked by the fact that he behaved himself wisely. He behaved himself wisely. In uh, the book of Psalms, chapter 101, this will be one of our last verses. Glory. Uh, Verse 1 and 2. I will sing of mercy and judgment to you, Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It will not cleave to me. Verse 6, my eyes will be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walks in a perfect way, he will serve me. Now notice this. David said the first place he would behave himself wisely was at home. That's the first place that he would behave himself wisely was at home. This tells us that the place that we have to learn to manifest that love, which is our nature, is at home. Is at home. I've always told people, if you want to see if somebody's spiritual, don't come to church. Go home. Go home with them. Then you'll see if they're spiritual. Amen. That's important. But the first place that we learn to manifest that love, which is our nature, is at home. Is at home. I, I, I grew up uh, in the era, and I guess they still say it some today. I, I've never said it, but... Uh, they, you would always hear people say, oh, preacher's kids are the worst. They're the worst. Ooh, wow. Ooh, ooh. And here, here's the problem with that. Number one, it's not true. And, and number two, I've, I've, I've seen so much of this. I've watched ministers, and uh, I, I was dealing with a young man one time that was a minister, and he was just constantly hard on his child, constantly hard on him. And finally, one day I told him, I said, listen to me. One of these days, that boy's going to outgrow you. 
And when that happens, you're going to want him to obey you because he loves you and not because you can make him. Because right now you can make him. But you keep being hard on him, and the Bible says you're going to hurt him. You'll make him bitter. Isn't that what the scripture says? We always quote, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But the next verse says, and fathers, provoke not your children to anger. Right? Don't frustrate them. I'll watch people do that. I've watched parents before. Now, if you do this, don't throw anything at me. All right? But, but I've watched parents before. And, and, and the, the child will say, the child will say, can I do this? And they say, no. Why not? Because. And they leave it at that. You just, let, you just gave, left them in a vacuum. You didn't give them an option. If you got to say no to one thing, you got to give an option for another thing. That's love. Can I go to this place? Can I go over to this person's house? No, you can't go over there and tell them why. I, you can't go over there because I don't, I don't know what they believe. I don't know what they watch on TV. I don't know what their stand is. But here's what you can do. I'll buy pizza and you can call some of your friends and bring them over here. If you're going to say no to one thing, you got to say yes to something else. Or you get a vacuum. Amen. Because, listen to me, because is not an answer. Well, why? Because? Because why? Because I said? Well, that just set you up as the authoritarian with no bend. Is, is that right? Every, every place I've, I've led, I have absolutes, but I try to have some give to me. Right? You got to have some give. Hallelujah. When you're pastoring, can I help you all with this? When you're pastoring a church, there are people that are going to be at every service. If you got a toilet cleaning party, they're there. They show up, gloved up, ready to go. Right? Amen. And, and they love the Lord. They love the church. They love you. They love their fellow members. And then you got people, listen, they come once a week. They're coming one service a week, and that's it. And they love you, and they love the Lord, and they love their fellow members, and this is their church, and they are just as committed as the person that would show up gloved up for the toilet party. Right? They, they love God. Amen. You, you got you to gotta walk in, as members, you got to walk in love with them and not feel like somehow they're less of a member because they only come on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or whenever they come. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, but Pastor, I just know they be, need to be here. I do too, but, but listen, Brother Hagin used to say, even an old sow will quit coming to the trough if you hit them with a stick every time they show up. <laughs> Amen. They just will. You got to walk in love. Amen. Am I helping you? And so, and so what my point was, you thought I forgot. My point was, that the reason why people do that is, is those preacher's kids see one life at home and one life in church. I've known preachers that hit them and their wife would fight like dogs and cats on the way to church and then get to church. 
You know, there I've, I've told people before. I, I've, I've watched people, and I just told them. I think it was men's meeting one time. I said, I'm tired. I'm tired of seeing you men all but dog cuss your wife in the back parking lot and get out and be loud and screaming. You don't think I see you or hear you, and then you want to come in here and she ba 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 Hush up. Till you can open the door for your wife and talk nice to your wife. Just, just don't even speak in tongues. Don't even speak in tongues. Because you're just annoying. It's annoying. Hallelujah. Learn, learn to open the door. Learn to walk in love. Learn to love your family. You're going to get far greater reward for raising those children to love God and loving your wife like Christ loves the church than you're going to get for all your sikamosai, pass them on by, and biba baba soga biga. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm helping you. I'm almost done. I got one more comment. <laughs> the best ground to sow into is your family. The best ground to sow into is your family. Amen. That, that, that is so important. That is so important. Oh, hallelujah. And that's, and that's why you come to this ministry. You come to a church that teaches these principles, and your marriage is going to grow. Your family is going to be strengthened. The love of God is going to manifest in your life. And your faith is going to grow. And, and, and then you have a wonderful life. Amen. I've had people say, you know, what, what's the thing that you're the most pleased with in your life? The fact that I'm a good husband and a good dad and a good grandfather. Yeah, but what about the church? I appreciate that. This is the call of God on my life. Amen. But, but, but I've got to have my priorities. I've got to have my priorities. I heard preachers for years say, well, you know, it's, it's a sad, sorry thing, you know, uh, getting out, getting other people saved, and your, and your family lost. Well, live right in front of them, and they won't be lost. That's the reality of it. Amen. You know, ever, ever what people would want to say about my father. My father was not an educated man. He didn't have an a education past the, the fifth grade was not educated, uh, just loved the Lord. Hallelujah. Both of his children are in the ministry today, living for the Lord. Amen. I, I pastor this church, the church in Kansas, fellowship. My sister and my brother-in-law pastor a church. He's got two grandsons that pastor churches. Hallelujah. The Lord's been faithful. I say the Lord's been faithful. He must have lived what he taught in front of us because it made us want to go into the ministry. Amen. Isn't that good? Your family is the best ground that you can sow into. And that's, that's, that's financially. That's your love, your time. The fam your family is the best ground that you can sow into in the name of Jesus. Say it out loud. Lord, thank you. For the spirit of faith. Thank you for the force of love in my life. I'm a lover. I'm a lover of God. I'm a lover of people. I'm a lover of my family. And I love you. And I know you love me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's stand up tonight, shall we?